I really want to thank our worship team for leading us tonight. have done a fantastic job uh, leading us. I love uh, being able to have some of our teens in the band right here doing a great job. I am, uh, I just want to say I'm really, I am really proud of our teen ministry here in GLB, and I love the teen ministry. I have heard through the grapevine they just started a Bible talk at Cerritos High School and are doing a great job there. They, every Friday they go across the street to the park right there and just bring them friends and uh, get some free pizza and study the Bible. And I just, I really want to encourage our teen ministry tonight. I'm so proud of you guys, uh, just your faith and your passion for God. Keep it going. Uh, we had an incredible, an incredible day yesterday in different parts of uh, Greater Long Beach as we uh, strive to go out there and uh, meet people and invite people to our Harvest Fest. I think I have a, I think I have a, a slide here with some pictures and stuff. But um, we had a great time uh, collecting canned goods uh, that went towards uh, the veterans at the VA and just meeting that specific need here locally. And then uh, as we were collecting canned goods, we also invited people to our um, Harvest Fest that's coming up next Sunday, which I'm really excited about. More information on that later. But here are some pictures here. I caught some of these from Facebook. So uh, I thought this picture of Matt Wheeler was kind of funny with the Speedy Gonzalez t-shirt there. And, um, anyways, uh, we had just a great time, singles, college students, married, teenagers, going out together, trying to build... Uh, continue building those cross-ministry uh, relationships with one another, as well as having an impact. And there's so many great stories of people that were met that hopefully will be coming to our Harvest Fest and see the love that we have here in this family uh, next weekend. Amen? Um, we are, this is our last uh, uh, lesson from the sermon series, Love Works. And um, we're coming to a close. We're bringing it to an end here. We had a We've been having an incredible time um, learning about how love, agape love, unconditional love, self-sacrificing love works, and whatever scenario that you're in, it will work. And in that, we've been watching uh, along the way, we've been watching the uh, show Undercover Boss, uh, the author of the book that we've been kind of getting some of these principles from, was featured on Undercover Boss, and tonight we're going to show... This is just for fun. It has nothing to do with the lesson, really. But uh, we're going to show the last uh, portion of this episode, and we'll get to see the grand reveal and all the things that the company ended up, how the company helped these people. Well, I won't give it away. Let's just go ahead, turn the lights off, and we'll watch it here. My experience has come to an end now, and I'm going to report back to my team and tell them what I learned while I went undercover the good and the bad. Well, I thanks everybody for coming together. And uh, as you know, I'm back from uh, my little trip. Thanks. It's good to be back. It was just an incredible experience. It was more physically exhausting and more emotionally exhausting than I anticipated. And there's some things that I want to talk through that, that we need to fix and we need to do better. The overriding thing is we have financial assistance for our employees. And almost without fail, the people I talked to had not applied for it, even when they had huge needs. Do we know why they didn't apply for assistance? Do they not know about it? 
no one wants to apply for financial assistance, right? And so somehow we have got to figure out how to market that better, how to get people to apply more easily. I don't have all the solutions and I want your guys' input into that as, as we normally operate. The second kind of overarching theme was we have to find a way to serve single parents better. They are, they are a significant part of our workforce. And as you go back out to your properties, just keep an open ear to that. I, I sure would like to have concrete results out of what we learned from this experience. So I really appreciate it. And thanks for your, your listening to all this. Thank you. All right. Now it's time for me to reveal my true identity to each of the people I worked with over the past week. I'm in the dark right now and feeling like, wow, where am I going? What is this all about? I'm a little nervous because I don't know what to expect. John Briggs? John, yes, John. Good yeah. to see you. Hi, John. <laughs> yeah. Hey. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm just fine. I'm not actually John Briggs. You're not John. Well, I'm actually Joel Manby, and I'm CEO of, of Hershey Entertainment. No. That was you, okay? <laughs> oh, so you... It's my boss's boss? <laughs> Well, yeah, in a sense. <laughs> wow. Man. That's a pretty good... You, I was you got Briggs. me. Oh, man. I never worked the frontline jobs at Hershey. I really wanted to work the frontline jobs, and I didn't want people to know who I was because whenever they know who I am, I get treated differently. And even though I feel badly that we had to do the disguise and you didn't really know... That was the only way I could get the real experience. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Captain. First of all, I just have never seen anybody transform themselves like you transform themselves. All right, folks, little fella coming through. I tried to interact with the kids, but you, in some senses, became a kid. So for me, this, this is an opportunity to touch somebody else's life to wake somebody up, you know, to get somebody going, and, and hopefully, hopefully they'll have a good day for me, and that's what I'm trying to do, so. Can we take some of that magic and, and put it at other, other Ride the Duck locations and other cities? And I'd like to see you be able to go there and help teach them some of, of what you have. I would love to do that. Let's make it happen. I'm, I'm there. All right, I'm great. There. No problem. I, I really appreciate it. Wow. This is, this is like, what? <laughs> It's amazing. I um, can't wait to go and tell my girl about it. To me, Jennifer, I was impressed with your work ethic. What you did is really put a face to being a single parent. I wanted to do something about it. So what we're going to do is expand our financial assistance programs, and we're going to allow childcare. So you, you can take that worry out of your life, at least from a financial standpoint. That would be great. It's like a huge weight. <laughs> well, I hope you can continue on the positive track, and I really admire what you've done. Well, thank you. 
appreciate that. It's the one thing I struggle most with, so it's going to feel amazing to not have to worry about it as much. I can't even explain to you. Richard, you are a very special man, and you have a really special heart. Well, thank you. And we're very lucky to have a man like you. Well, thank um, you. I appreciate it. That story about losing your home really touched me, and what I like to do is, for your home, allocate the full $10,000 of catastrophic funds that we have available to help you redo your house. And then we're going to take the citizens of Silver Dollar City on a day off and come to your house so we can fix it up. And something that will take you over a year to get done, maybe we can get done in one day. I don't know what to say now. Well, I appreciate that. I... You don't have to say anything. I you think... got me good. I just... <laughs> I've never dreamed about something like this ever happening. So it's going to be a big relief. Mercedes, you're just an incredible worker. The more you know, the better. Yeah. The pay comes later, you know? Yeah. Even though you have every reason to have a very different attitude, there's a couple things I want to do. First thing we want to do is give you an immediate raise. Oh, God. Um, because. Oh. I don't believe this is happening. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Oh my god. <laughs> in, in honor of you making that huge move from being homeless into a new apartment, we're going to come in with you to your apartment and we're going to inventory with you everything that you need. And, and you just tell us what you need and then we're going to take care of that. I hope you're with us for a long time. Who knows, maybe we can see you get into your own home. Wow, that would be great. I want to see you achieve your dreams, okay? Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm on top of the world. Like, this is amazing. Wow. You're trying to work full time, and you're trying to go to school at night. You've inspired me to... Um, start a scholarship program I should tell you you're gonna be the first recipient um, you're gonna to get to go to school full-time so you don't have to work all day you don't have to go to school at night we're gonna actually pay you your 40 hours a week salary while you go to school All we ask is that you, you know, in the summertime when you're not going to school full time, you come know, back you to work. Come back to I work. I'd love to. You can't keep me away from the place. <laughs> we need a lot of people like you with your, with your kind of passion, your kind of enthusiasm. First thing I'm calling is my parents. I'm gonna be jumping up and down while I'm telling them, and I'm gonna hear my dad. I know he's gonna be so proud. excited to talk about what happened because it was once in a lifetime and I just can't wait to tell him about it. Here's our CEO, Mr. Joel Mammon. My name's Joel Manby and for the last week I went undercover at our great company. 
So we thought we'd show you a little bit of the experience of what I went through with some of these great folks down here. And we're going to start in Branson, Missouri. What you do is just take it, kink it, and just take this loose. I'm <laughs> Richard! <laughs> <laughs> Some of the ladies are loving him. He's adorable, so they're like, hi. <laughs> you know? Those little fella coming through. <laughs> what do you think the ideal job is here? A CEO. <laughs> Who's in that job now? Joel Manby is our CEO. <laughs> creating a great guest experience. But I have to say, I had no idea how great you guys are and how passionate you are about your jobs, about each other, and about the company. And I am so thankful that I went through this experience because I have an absolutely renewed passion and appreciation for what you all do on the front line. And I just could not be more proud of you. So thank you very much for what you do, and thanks for coming today. just so glad that I did this and I have to say it's the greatest single week and greatest work experience I've ever had. Pretty cool, isn't it? And, um, you know, I remember the first time we watched this, we were just like, whoa, it's just really cool to see that the, as a boss, it's not just throwing money at people and money's not going to make you happy. It's just different programs, different things that help meet needs and inspire them to continue doing great in their jobs. And, um, anyways, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and kind of coming with us uh, on this little journey here the past few weeks watching it. And like I said, it really doesn't have that much to do with what I'm going to be preaching about today, but uh, it's definitely just an illustration of how, uh, even in the business world, some of these principles can work. And so let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to get into some of the passages here we're going to read today. God, thank you so much for this time. Uh, It's great to be together. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, uh, our eyes to understand you and your love more and more and more. Uh, help us to see that your, your kind of love uh, will change the world. And it has changed our lives here, and I, and I know that it will change so many, uh, it can change so many more lives. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for him um, showing us exactly what it means to love as you do. In his name we pray, amen. You know, the past few weeks we've been uh, discovering the power of treating others with patience, with kindness, with trust, truthfulness, being unselfish, being forgiving. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but when you think about this concept, agape, love, unconditional love, self-sacrificial love, it requires effort. It requires hard work. It's not natural 
You don't wake up the most loving person on the universe. It's not in our nature to be this way. We have to decide and work hard to love the way that the Bible talks about love. You know, um, I've been reading this book lately called uh, Healthy Congregations by Peter Steinke. Not Steinke. We have a Steinke family here, not Steinke. Steinke with an N. Uh, but uh, I've been learning just, you know, as a leader, I want to continue growing and learning and just understanding how to uh, continue to inspire God's people and reach our communities and these kind of things. And uh, so I'm reading this book, Healthy Congregations, just about and he, what the author does is he takes uh, the whole First Corinthians 12 concept of the body of Christ and how and how that matches up in the church life and how health. Uh, requires effort, intentionality, and, and when, a, when the body is healthy, it, it grows and it stays steady and it stays, uh, you know, healthy. And so um, he uses a lot of these principles in biology to, to compare with um, uh, church and health in church. And so he writes this quote, it's kind of a long quote, but it, 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 uh, it really stood out to me as I was reading this in regards to what we're talking about uh, here these past few weeks. Um, and it says... Um, he run, uh, next slide. Next. He says, God wants to deal with us on the basis of the personal. Love is the primary means God has of using us to reveal himself in one another. We are created for relationship. Creation is relational. The biblical record is replete with stories of the relationships between fathers and sons, mothers and children, husbands and wives, leaders and followers. The truth comes through the relational. Reality is known only in connections and interactions, and nothing conveys the relational better than the story. As Luther, Martin Luther said, the gospel is nothing but the story of God's little son and of his humbling. So many of the primary biblical concepts refer not to entity or substance, but to a relationship. Faith is an ongoing response of trust. Sin is rebellion against God. Righteousness is a right and new relationship with God. Grace is a continual gift of God. Covenant is an I-thou relationship. I will be your God. You will be my people. I have called you friends. Likeness to God cannot be lived in isolation. It can only be lived in human community. We are intended to be with one another. It just stood out to me because we, we all know this is true in our lives. We're created for relationship. Nobody was created to be on their own. We think individualism and we got to be on our own. I got to stand on my two feet. We think that way, but we're deceived. We're all created for relationship. We need a relationship with God, relationships with others. That's why God places, you know, he, he, his, his idea of connecting people was within the family unit. You know, the, Satan, the deceiver, the Bible calls Satan the, the father of lies. And because of the lie that we have that we need, I need to stand on my own two feet, we, we, and because of sin and our sinful nature, we've destroyed and broken what God intended the family to be. Does that make sense? And so we, when we see and when we start realizing 
that we're created for relationship, for community, this idea of agape love starts resonating a little bit more. We've looked in the study of love, we've looked in the past few years, we looked at a lot at Jesus' life, his interactions, because in so many ways he represents and epitomizes exactly how we are to treat others. We saw his interaction with the Samaritan woman. We saw his teaching on forgiveness in Luke 17, which Brian preached about last week. We've studied, we've seen how even he says he entrusted his kingdom to his apostles. And today what I want to do is I want us to see Jesus in what I believe is kind of the climax of his ministry teaching in the last supper with his apostles, right before he goes to the cross, the very end of his time in, in interacting with the guys. We're going to read from Luke and from John, and, and we're going to see how these two passages harmonize together to give us a fuller picture of what happened that evening before he was arrested and handed over to be crucified. And what we'll see is not just his teaching on agape love, but his willingness to live it out and his dedication to leave an imprint on the guys that were going to teach it to the next generation and generations after that. So we're going to read a little bit of Bible here. Are you guys with me? We're going to read a little bit of Bible. I hope that it helps and it gives us a fuller picture and then we're going to uh, draw some, some teachings from it. Luke 22, verse 7. Follow along with me here. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make pre preparations for us to eat the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. So they began to question among themselves, which of them it might be who would, ha who would do this? A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. The evening meal was in progress, and so... He got up from the table, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What an incredible 
interaction and teaching. I, uh, I, I just took Luke 22 and John 13 and kind of put it together to, to paint a bigger picture of what was happening that evening. Jesus, the Son of God, after raising people from the dead, casting out demons, healing diseases, spending so much time with His disciples, teaching them, showing them what it means to live in His kingdom under His reign, He sits there with the guys shows them the, Lord, the, the supper and what the bread and the, and the fruit of the vine means and how they're to remember Him. He predicts once again what's going to happen, His suffering. And the guys are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Think about it. Jesus, in His most intimate moment, as He's about to go to the cross, He's sitting there with His guys, His best friends, Woe to the man who's going to betray me. The Son of Man is about to suffer. And it says an argument as the dinner was happening was going on. Well, I'm going to be the greatest in his kingdom. No, I'm going to be the greatest in his kingdom. And Jesus, just think about this. Jesus is sitting there just listening to these guys go back and forth about who's going to be the greatest. And you can just imagine what's going through Jesus' mind like, did you not just hear what I said? Did you not understand what's going to happen? Unbelievable. So caught up into their image and what this transition of Jesus leaving is going to mean for them individually that they don't even stop to consider what Jesus is doing with them. They're probably taking that cup and that bread like, what? Uh, I'm hungry. Pass it over here. I mean, what's up with that? I mean, I don't, what's the big deal about the cup and the bread? I mean, come on. Jesus explains. And, and, and it's, just, just, it's just bizarre when I read this. I'm like, wow, these guys had no clue what was about to happen. Or even what was happening right there in their midst. Jesus, as he's listening to this conversation, he explains to them how the kings of the Gentiles lord it over their people. In other words, they, 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 they put heavy burdens on them. They they tell them, command them what to do. And, um, and he says that they, they call themselves benefactors. As if, like, it's, it's to your benefit that I'm your leader. I am your benefactor. And, and, then, and then he takes this teaching of what they understand as leadership and greatness, and he flips it on them, saying that the servant, the slave, in his kingdom under his reign, is the greatest. And Jesus is sitting there watching them. Can you imagine? He just, he just, this is what he just told them. And he's just probably like sitting there silently, and they're all just kind of staring at him like, what? what? Huh? I don't get it. Jesus is talking about some weird stuff tonight. Talking about this cup's going to have his blood in it. Talking about this, bo- this bread's his body. Talking about you know, the greatest is the servant and the slave in his kingdom. I mean, this is some weird stuff. And so Jesus can see that the concept is not really getting in there. So he gets up. He takes off his outer clothing. And he gets a a bowl, fills it with water, and he gets on his knees. And from guy to guy, 12 dudes in the room, He goes and washes their feet. Everyone's silent, staring, except Peter. 
We didn't read that part. Peter had to say something. You know, when you read the, well, John 13 there, Peter's like, well, don't just wash my feet. In fact, I wash my whole body. You know, like, uh, Jesus like, listen, you can wash your whole body and then go out there and get dusty feet. You just need to wash your feet. And he ends the washing. He puts his clothes back on and he sits down. These guys are probably just staring at him still. And he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and that's right, because that's what I am. But now that you've seen me, your Lord and teacher, and you've seen me wash your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. We all know that. But now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And you're one of the guys, just imagine, you're one of the guys sitting there, stunned at what just happened. They can't believe it. All of their thoughts of what it means to be great in Jesus' eyes are totally destroyed. Can you imagine your teacher, your hero? You've seen this guy do some amazing things. You've seen him say things that have stumped some of the smartest men in your town. You love following him because you never know what's going to happen next. And you want to be a part of his kingdom because you think this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And all of a sudden, this great man is stooping at your feet, washing your smelly, sweaty, stinky feet. And he says, that's what it means to be great under my reign. That's what will get you noticed by me. After he shows them by example how they need to view each other and and, and others and how they need to serve and what greatness is, he then says in John 13, verse 34, and so a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. He gives them a new command. They know the two main commandments. They had heard Jesus say, what's the, mo- what's the most important command? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. But Jesus didn't say love, love one another as you love yourself. He says this is a new command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Not as you love yourself. He, he takes it to a higher standard of self-sacrificing, self-abandoning love. You see, in the end, love works if we strive to love the way that Jesus loved. It's not natural to us. It requires effort and work and decisiveness. A dedication that no matter what circumstances come our way, we can still love as Christ loved us. When we start seeing the fact, like I talked about earlier, that we were all created for relationship and community, we can begin understanding God's image of the church being the body of Christ, where every member of the body is important and has a function. And when we begin to really comprehend that, we understand that in order for that to work, all of us are just a big group of foot washers. Foot washers. 
Bro, let me help you out. Let me wash your feet. I'll come over and help you move. I'm washing your feet. Hey, you need a seat up here? I got... Don't worry. I got your feet. I washed them. Right here. Foot washers. Foot washing communication is one where we strive to control our tone and our words in order to build others up according to their needs. It's where we bear with one another and strive for patience as we work through conflict and differences. That's foot washing communication. Foot washing leadership is one where we strive to simply meet needs and make others great. Where we care more about the big picture than just how, how is whatever going to change and affect my situation. Where we share resources and meet needs in every ministry. Where as an employer or a supervisor, you strive to empower and make others great instead of trying to control everything. That's foot washing leadership. Foot washing teenagers are looking around for opportunities to serve your parents and your siblings instead of waiting to be served. Teens, you listen to me? Teens, pay attention. Foot-washing teenagers are looking for ways to show gratitude to their teen leaders and mentors and finding ways constantly to serve them and make their role a joy, not a burden. Wash their feet, teens. Foot-washing parents go the extra mile to show their children by example that love works. Foot-washing parents don't go home criticizing the preacher. Foot-washing parents... I just wanted to put that in there. Foot-washing parents... Foot-washing parents... Don't go home complaining about, you know, oh my gosh, this Southwest Conference is so expensive. Foot Foot-washing parents don't do that in front of their kids. Foot-washing parents want to be, they want the kingdom of God to be the pearl, the most amazing thing. Foot-washing parents go the extra mile. Means, it means that you're not exasperating, but encouraging and believing in our kids no matter what. You know, I appreciate, little tangent here, I appreciate my dad as a parent. He's got five kids. I'm the oldest, and then I got a sister, and I got three younger brothers. And each one of us has made decisions in our lives to go different ways in regards to different things, whether it be career or spiritually or whatever. And my dad is, is just faithful. And, and I feel like he's always, my, I have a younger brother who kind of has made some decisions just in his life that none of us in the family agree with, and yet my dad's washing his feet, believing in him, encouraging him. You can do it. In the back of his head and in the bottom of his heart, suffering <laughs> as he's watching this progress. Do you know what I'm saying? But no exasperation. Just, I love you, son. Do you know what I mean, parents? Foot-washing parents go the extra mile to show their children by example that love works. This love, not feeling love, this love. Foot-washing friendships are those that look for ways to alleviate a pressure or a stress from their friend's shoulders. Where that friendship is a safe place in times of distress and trouble and not a place of judgment or fear. Foot-washing small groups are building family and living in community together, striving to help one another be more like Christ. We should never be afraid to go to a small group. 
We should never make excuses to, I don't want to, I just don't want to go. This is family. This is my spiritual family. I want to, I'm struggling, but I want to make sure that person's okay too. We'll struggle together and pray together, but I'm going to, let's wash each other's feet. Being a foot washer. Being a foot washer is not for the faint in heart. Being a foot washer pushes us to be closer to God. Because only through his grace can we even begin to treat and view each other the way that God does. It requires a daily decision and daily effort. And the promise is, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus shows us through his life and this example that his way of love really does work. All those men whose feet he washed ended up giving up their lives in preaching and teaching about Jesus and helping people to see that only through him could the world ever change. You want your work experience to change? You want your family dynamic to transform? You want that friendship to deepen? You want to finally be able to forgive? You want your ministry to be more dynamic and impactful? You want your small group to become what you envision it being? You want our church to, to be more of a family and closer? You want those whom you supervise at work to respect you more? Do you want your boss uh, to gain your boss's respect and your co-workers' respect? Love, as Jesus did. Become a foot washer. Go to work tomorrow, wash some feet. Come to small group this week, wash some feet. Come to church next Sunday, wash some feet. Go to your house, to your wife, wash some feet. Go to your kids, wash, your, wash some feet. Are you guys with me here? I appreciate in my life, and I think a lot of us do, I appreciate some of our older, more experienced, seasoned disciples who have dedicated their lives and resources to helping and serving so many. These people are in stages of life that they could be just be enjoying retirement, vacationing, hanging out with their grandkids or whatever, and yet they're here in the battle, helping, serving, giving, washing feet. I think about the Plymouths, I think about the Eads, I think about the Sosas, I think about the Bransons, I think about Rick and Donna Mark, I think about some of these brothers and sisters, empty nesters, you know, just... just we're just here to serve and we want to help people and just wash some feet. I love that. I want to call us today, church, challenge us to dedicate our lives to deciding daily to be a foot washer. There's blessing in it. Jesus says at the end, you will be blessed. Not you will possibly be blessed. Not it may happen someday that you will most likely, under the right circumstances, be blessed. No, he says, you will be blessed. You and I both know the times when we get to serve one another are some of the most joyous times. The times when I get to uh, help somebody uh, get through a tough time in their life, as, as, as time-consuming as it may seem and be, it's the most fulfilling. The times when I get to uh, help somebody in their need, the times when I get to give 
a resource or financially to a situation that may help a person, it's rewarding. It's awesome. You know, we're entering a season, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, coming up. You're talking about, you're, you're like, wait, we haven't even hit up uh, trick-or-treating yet. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, right after trick-or-treating, we got, like, some of these different times, the season of the year. And I want to encourage us. Let's look at opportunities to wash some feet. We got, I have, uh, we have we're hosting close to 10,000 people here in Long Beach in a couple weeks. And I have a sign-up sheet with zero volunteers on it. And I just need some help washing some feet, guys. Let's go wash some feet. Go out there, check out your work schedule, try to work it out. You know, we've been talking about the Southwest Conference, and a lot of us are not even registered yet. Register. Let's get in there. This is an incredible opportunity. I want to call us to challenge us to be dedicated to deciding daily to be a foot washer, to love as Jesus did. You know, when we start loving that way, people will know. People will know that we are his disciples. People will know that we are different. We're not just some nice community church, but we are a church that's on a mission to change the world because we love one another the way Christ loves. And so if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let's pray as we take communion. And let's be foot washers. God, we come before you humbly, so thankful that we get the honor and the privilege of reading your word and of knowing and seeing this, this intimate moment that Jesus had with some of his best friends. To be able, to, for the Son of God, to be able to stoop down on his knees and wash feet and then say that they were supposed to do the same thing for one another and that this is the standard of love for each other. God, that is, that is very challenging and convicting in our hearts. Father, I pray that as we take communion, as we take the cup that represents the blood of Christ, as we take uh, the bread that represents his body, that we would meditate and think about ways that we can wash some feet this week. Maybe it be in our families, maybe in our households, within a friendship, 
within our, fa within our uh, families that are not here, whether it be at our jobs, wherever it is, God, I pray that we can think of ways that we can just wash some feet and that this would describe your people here in Long Beach. We love you. We thank you so much for Jesus showing us what it means to really love. And thank you so much, God, that you've allowed this series that we've had in the church to be able to understand more and more unconditional self-sacrifice love. It's in his name we pray. Amen.